Hello everyone, welcome back to A Turn of Events. I'm so excited that you're joining us again. We were out last week because I did a workshop for event planners, uh, wedding and event planners who are looking to start a business or are struggling in their current business. It was amazing, it was five days, a free workshop, so much content, I got so much great feedback. It was really awesome, it was my first time doing a workshop. And then I did bonus days, so it really went into nine days. I launched a coaching program. If you're interested in checking it out, we don't have the recordings up for the free workshop now, but we are going to launch it again in a few weeks. So we'll do it again. So if you missed out, don't worry about that. So the program is Unstoppable Event Planner. It's got so much in it. It's a 12 month program. It's crazy insane. And if you want to check it out, you can go to the website. I'm Annette Nafe, the CEO and creative director of Nafe Productions. We are a strategic event production company based in New York City. We specialize in corporate, social, nonprofit, and weddings. So we pretty much do everything. We are doing live, virtual, and hybrid. We have our first live event in Orlando in three weeks. I can't wait, I'm super excited. It's 100 live, and then we have a live streaming aspect to it. So half of the, there's 35 speakers and 30 exhibitors, mobile units, it's a dental conference, and it's really gonna be fun, and I'm so excited to get on site again. I'm probably gonna need to really rest because I haven't worked that hard on site in a really long time. But I'm really excited and we're gonna do this event and um, a lot of pieces to it, lots of rules because obviously this COVID has really hit the event industry and the cleaning guidelines are very strict and so we're taking temperatures every day and lots of stuff that we have to do but we're really gonna have a good time. There's gonna be a big gala, a big party, dancing. If anybody knows me, they know I love to dance. So I'm super excited about that. If you are an event planner, wedding planner, starting a business or already have a business and you're struggling and you really need some tips and lots of uh, lots of great support, join us over in the Event Planner Society Facebook group. Event Planner Society, only for event planners and wedding planners. I love my vendors, but it's for them to support and uh, for us to come together and really network and I'm teaching a lot of great things in that Facebook group, so head on over there. Okay. So my next guest is Gina Molinari. Love the Italian names, I love it. She is affectionately known as Gina Mo, is a confident communication coach based in Columbus, Ohio. I'm actually a Midwest girl myself. I'm from Michigan originally, I've been here forever, but so she is combined, she combines her unique experience of classical singing, which I didn't know that about you, Gina, digital marketing and emotional intelligence to help her clients become the confident face of their business through strong communication skills. Gina is also a TEDx speaking coach, which we have produced some TEDx events, which is really exciting, and a keynote speaker and author. Gina, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, it's so fun, and we're gonna talk about the importance of authenticity as a business owner, and this is a really great subject. First of all, Tell everybody about you. I just did a little spiel on you, but tell us about you and how you got started and what's your background and all that good stuff. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, so it's funny, you and I actually switched parts of the country because I grew up in New Jersey and I moved to Columbus, Ohio about five years ago. But my background is actually as a classical singer. Growing up, I really wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be a lot of things, really. really pursued singing. I went to do my undergraduate at a little small conservatory-like school called Westminster Choir College. And Mm -hmm. as much as I was focused on performing and I loved the challenge of it and learning other languages and all that, I actually had really debilitating performance anxiety. And at no point did I really allow myself to break through the fear of that. I just told myself this story that, oh, if I have this much fear, it must not be for me. So that's something I've broken through since. That's a whole other conversation. But really went a different direction. And I went to NYU for my master's in arts administration, where that's where I fell in love with marketing. And what I realized was that really my passion for singing has never been about being on a stage and all eyes on me and the dramatics and the corsets and the wigs. That's not me. But it is about contributing and sharing a message. It's about connecting with people. And especially when you're not singing in English, it's about really connecting with people on a level that's beyond words. And that was what really spoke to me. And that's really what marketing is. It's communicating the value of something in a really powerful way. And while I've been in this entrepreneur space for about six years, I've realized there's a lot of disconnect in what sets people apart. And that authenticity piece really is what can set you apart from somebody else who maybe has more experience or their prices are lower than yours or something of that nature. So I've done a lot of emotional intelligence work. I've done a lot of public speaking work and digital marketing. And I mash them all up into this weird amalgamation of confident communication coaching so that people can not only communicate with confidence, but they do it effectively, memorably, and it feels good at the same time. So it's really interesting to see people's breakthroughs as they go through this work. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I see. It looks like you have a party back there with the balloons. Oh, so that was an event that I did last week. Actually, that was our balloon arch. We we split and conquered it because neither of us could fit it in our car. But yeah, that was from that. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm so excited to do decor and we're, it's just exciting. I, I didn't realize I've done a lot of virtual events in the last year, which is not the same, but, but we still had some great results from it. But I have to say it's, it's going to be really fun to do some live stuff. Okay, so let's get down to it. Why is authenticity important in business? So I've alluded to it already, but it's this difference between what sets you apart from somebody else. I personally don't believe in competitors in the traditional sense. I think that's something that can create a lot of stress and create a sort of desperate feeling. Nobody wants to go on a date with the middle-aged woman who feels like her eggs are drying up and she needs to claw somebody. For, that's just not a good feeling. So instead, you want to feel good about it. And it's okay. How can I reframe how I see somebody who is my competitor in the industry? I can tell myself that they just bring something different to the table that I can't provide for some reason. And that's okay. It just means that maybe they're a more ideal client for this particular type of person. I, as a public speaking coach, essentially don't like on paper, opera singing isn't something that supports that or gives me any sort of credibility. But when I can frame it in this idea of you need to have poise, you need to perform, there needs to be blocking and there's elements of performance that can be applicable. That's what can set me apart from somebody else who does this work. Not to mention vocal health. That's something I take very seriously. I haven't lost my voice in 
16, 17 years because I know how to take care of my instrument. And when you speak a lot, when you're on the phone or you're doing speaking gigs, you need your voice. It's very important. Listen to Tony Robbins speak. You don't want to sound like that. It's not pleasant. Yeah, yeah. And even my own public speaking coach, I was working with somebody a few years back and I saw her post the other day that she lost her voice because she had three speaking gigs this week. Meanwhile, I did an online telethon for three straight hours the other night and then did a whole training the next day. And now I have seven interviews today that I'm not worried about. I just bring something different to the table, even though she may be in the industry longer than I am. So how can we use that? It's about being comfortable with who you are, being comfortable talking about yourself and really finding ways to use your life experience, use your personality as tools in your tool belt to make you different, to set you apart, even from a marketing standpoint. Yeah. So you're mentioning this voice situation. So last week I did a, you know, eight, nine days of a workshop, an hour a day. But I found that talking 45 minutes into, I would get this tickle and dry throat and I would have to cough it out. And it happened every single day. Mm -hmm. And here I don't have to so much do it because I'm not speaking the whole hour because I have, it's an interview thing. But so do you have tips for that for your, what do you do with your voice to keep it so you're not going to have a a stroke in the middle of your (laughs) conversation? Yeah. I I was this dry tickle in my throat and it was horrible. Yeah. So there's lots of tips I have for this. coat or something, this tea that you can drink. I mean, that's damage repair though. You need to know how to take care of it beforehand. But I have an entire module dedicated to this in one of my courses for this reason, because everybody's like, oh, I didn't realize I needed that until you need it. But the best tips I can give you is prior, making sure you're well hydrated, making sure you're well rested. Because if you think about it, when you're tired, all of your muscles are overcompensating, making you push through. So your voice is a muscle and that's something you don't want straining just because you're tired. So being well hydrated, which starts a few days before, not just the day of, well rested. You want to avoid acidic foods or deep fried and fatty foods because that tends to make your... uh, acid reflux, if you have it, especially that makes it tend to go into overdrive. I actually lost my voice for three months when I went to college because of acid reflux. And I was walking around like Wiley Coyote with a whiteboard. It was awful. So want to avoid acidic things, juice and things of that nature. You definitely want to avoid it. Smoking, alcohol, all of that you want to avoid as much as possible. During, it's more a matter of proper breath support. So if you think about an opera singer, they didn't used to have amplification. It wasn't invented yet, but they had to carry over an 80-piece orchestra eight times a week. How do they do that? They have a special breath technique to breathe deeper and let their body do the work as opposed to letting their voice do all the work. Right. So describing about after about 45 minutes, your voice is doing all the work. If you breathe deeper, like into your belly, as opposed to from up here in your lungs, you're going to have more support for that. So that again, your musculature is doing more of that work. And then if you do lose your voice, like you said, throat coat, avoiding anything acidic again, because it's essentially putting salt on a wound. Do not whisper. Whisper is actually just as bad for your voice, if not worse than yelling. People think easier on it, but whispering is actually harsher because you're forcing air through your vocal fold. So shutting up the vocal rest is actually really the best yeah. thing to do if it's possible. Yeah, that's hard to do when you have to work all day and you got your back-to-back calls and that's all I do is talk all day. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Tips for that. I know. That's really good. Oh, oh great. Great. Right. So, um, 
Were you always so confident in being yourself? Because the thing is, you have to be yourself. Yeah, no, not at all. (laughs) That's where a lot of that performance anxiety came from as a singer is all of these eyes on me. I'm a bigger girl. I've suffered with my weight my entire life. And the idea of people watching me take these big belly breaths while I'm wearing a tight dress and I'm the only thing to look at. It's terrifying. So I have very often not had that confidence until maybe the past eh, decade or so. And it's because I've allowed myself to really give myself credit. So many people, especially women, do not give themselves credit for things that they've accomplished, for things that make them special, make them unique, or make them a decent, good person. And when we discount those things, every single time we discount those things, we're just creating evidence for ourselves of why we're not good enough. That little voice in our head that tells us we're not good enough, we're just feeding that instead of really allowing ourselves to blossom. And if somebody gives you a compliment, it's as easy as saying, thank you, instead of saying, oh no, that's not possibly true. Thank, I appreciate it. We're discounting ourselves constantly. So it's recognizing and having the awareness of when and how you do those things, because everybody does it different. And then just stopping it. Maybe you still think it, but if you don't say it out loud, it's one step closer to starting to believe it. That's a lot of the stuff that I was talking about when in my program last week, in my workshop, was confidence, being confident in yourself, in your pricing, and everything that you're about, because when you present your proposal to a client, and if you're any wishy-washy in any way, they're going to be like this, they're not going to feel confident that you can do the job. So I think it's really important. And I learned that when I started my business 11 years ago, that if I just sounded like I was confident, I knew what I was talking about, that it was the, the best way to sell, basically. Absolutely. Why is being ourselves so hard? It's it's an environmental thing. I think you grow up in an environment where, again, depending who you are and what sort of stories you've been told, if you grow up in a home where you're constantly being told you need to be doing more, you're not smart enough, or you have parents who nitpick at you for one thing or another, that voice gets in your head. And the problem is that our emotional subconscious pretty much stops developing at seven years old. And if we're not actively doing something to really address it and unravel all of those stories and evidence we've created for ourselves as a child, a seven-year-old is running your life for the rest of your life because that's the internal monologue that you have. And it's not true, but we feel like it's true because that's what's true for us. That's our experience of it. So we go through these pivotal, monumental experiences in our life, and we have these deep, vivid memories of hurtful things that were said to us, or we've gotten praise for the wrong type of things, and that sticks with us. So that's the thing that we value. If you think about the pageant mom or something like that, and she's always praising her daughter or her kid for being beautiful or something. She may start to discount other elements of herself because it's looks that are supposed to be the important thing. I grew up in a home where um, my brother was a little more uh, like the jock and he was pretty social and stuff. And I was the academic. He didn't get very good grades, but I did. So I took a lot of pride in getting good grades. And when I didn't, I was very hard on myself. And any time in my life where I started to feel like I wasn't smart, I would take it very personally and feel like my identity was being attacked. And so it's very challenging for me to start to believe other things when that's my core belief in myself. So there's all these different conversations we're having, all of these different influences that paint how we see ourselves versus us truly understanding that we can be whoever we choose to be. And that voice inside is not law, that we can change it, that we can alter it if that's what we truly want and work at. Yeah, I'm very lucky that... I was raised, you can do anything. 
um, very proud, whatever choices I made, there was no, you've got to do this and you got to do that. It was like, just do what makes you happy. And so I was lucky that way. And I had to find my own way because my parents were not entrepreneurs, barely graduated high school and then went on and had me. So they were 16 and 17. They were very young themselves, but they were always proud and always made sure that they told me. And I was lucky that way. But I guess there are things from your childhood that can definitely affect you, obviously, as an adult. It's definitely something to work on and not be so hard on ourselves. I'm so hard, we all are. And one of the things that I was super hard is being on camera, and now I'm on camera all the time. I was just laughing this morning, getting ready, thinking, I'm so excited to go back on camera. <laughs> A year ago, you could barely get me to do this, but now I do all my, you know, my. I have my group that I go into, and. I now I don't, it's like silliness. It's all silliness. And I just think I'm getting such great affirmation from the stuff that I'm providing in this show and the Facebook that it keeps you going. It's got to be yourself and just keep going. And who cares if anybody has a negative p opinion or tries to beat you down, just keep going. That's really what's important. What's funny is like, I, I find for, for my clients, it's you have to learn to be uncomfortably comfortable. Like yes you feel comfortable with a best friend feels really uncomfortable to be that publicly to be that on a stage or be that on video or something it's going to be uncomfortable to be so yourself but eventually it starts to feel good you start to look forward to it and yeah. when you break through that then everything just starts to feel good yeah it's true and people can tell if you're not being authentic so oh, yeah I, I am pretty straightforward person. I tell it like it is. I'm sure I can hear all my friends laughing in the background right now. But that's just how I am. And even when I'm coaching, I coach event planners a lot. And so when I'm coaching them, you know, they're like, she's going to tell it like it is. And that's just because I care about them and I want them to be, be successful. So I try to be kind about it. If they're not doing what I tell them to do, then I'm going to be a little, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to tell them about it. So New York is going to come out. Yeah. My New York is going to come out. I've been here 21 years. So it, and I'm a redhead. So forget it. It's like, <laughs> okay. So what is one easy thing that someone can do to practice being more authentic? This is a good yeah, my my favorite little tip, because some people are so used to falling into like putting on the face and like being who they think they need to be. The yeah. easiest thing you could start to do is answer the question, how are you? Honestly, when someone asks you, how are you? Instead of just, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Things are fine. How about giving an honest answer? And right. You have to go into like graphic detail and get overshare about it, but it can be, you know what? I'm actually having a bit of a hard day. I have a little bit of a headache and everything, but I'm really happy to be here. Like it doesn't have to color and you don't have to be a whiner and a complainer yeah. but you can be honest and tell them the reality of you being a human being or right. you know what? I'm great. My brother just had a new kid. I'm excited to be an aunt again. I'm pumped today. How are you? You know, yeah. just coloring the conversation with some sense of humanity. It doesn't have to bring the conversation down it can actually bring it up, but learning to answer that question honestly, instead of going on autopilot is the easiest thing you can start to do to realize that people aren't going to react the way you fear they're going to react if you don't right. step in that box. So if you guys are here, I can see there's lots of people here. Tell us who you are. Ask, ask some questions. Yes, if, you are, if it says Facebook user, I don't know who you are. So you have to say, cause you have to allow 
StreamYard to, you know, put up your, your profile. But who's here and where are you from? Let's hear it. Okay. Yeah, that's, it's definitely, that's really great information. So how do we set boundaries around topics you don't want to discuss? Wait, I want to go back to that thing. So I, what you said about, be honest about when they ask how you are. I'm a very honest person and I tend to, like I said, I tell it like it is. And, but sometimes I find oh, maybe I don't have to tell it. Hey, Mona Lisa. That's one of my best friends. I love her so much. So she's from New York and Dallas girl. She's now a back and forth. But so I, I tend to be, sometimes I think, oh, I shouldn't be. Obviously, as I've gotten older, I've learned how to tone that down. But I just think it, I just, you have to be who you are. I have to be natural. I can't just try to be anything different. And even if I tried, I just, I can't do it. So I think it's really important. Okay. So how do we set boundaries around topics that you don't want to discuss? Yeah, I actually wrote an entire chapter in my book about this and I surprised myself like, oh, I actually have a lot to say about this topic. Oh, yeah. oh, because a lot of people, being from New Jersey, the one thing that I've been praised for my entire life is just being really honest. And it didn't used to be a compliment. It used to be a very aggressive, assertive sort of way that I would do it. And now living in the Midwest, you can't, you can't work with people that way. They won't respond to it. They don't receive it well. It's not appreciated, all that sort of thing. So what I've realized is that there's kind ways, tactful ways, cordial ways to say your truth. And that sometimes it's not manipulating it and doing like white lies and things, but it's about knowing how much to say and how much not to say. Mm -hmm. So even with answering the, a question of how are you honestly, it's not about telling the whole truth, but it's about telling enough of the truth so that people can understand your nonverbal cues. So mm -hmm. if you're very obviously putting off this vibe that you're heavy and you're sad or frustrated, like something's heavy on you, we can sense it. And what's funny is when other people do it, we pick up on it right away. We're right. not, they're not fooling anybody, but we forget that when we do it, we're equally obvious. <laughs> like we just forget that we're not special. You're not a unique snowflake. Everybody does this thing. Right. So it's about being honest enough to just reveal what it is that people can sense coming from you and not necessarily, like I said, going into that detail. This is often a question I get when somebody's in a power of uh, a, a power position of some kind. I don't necessarily want to be super vulnerable with my employees. I want to hold that boundary. Okay, you can say there's some personal problems at home. Your kid kept you up all night or something, but you're really excited to be in at the office and dive into work and kind of distract yourself. Mm -hmm. You can say the thing that makes you human, but still get right back to it and distract from it. And personally, what I'm a pretty open book as well. And I'm somebody who doesn't really like to hide a lot of things, but there are some things I just don't talk about, but because I'm so open about what I'm open about, you don't notice. It's like a magic trick or it's, I'm doing something over here, but I have you so distracted with what's going on up here. You yeah. don't really notice what I'm not talking about. And right. so it's me being prepared that if somebody asks me about one of my no-nos, then I have a prepared answer that I feel confident in. I'm strong in that boundary, but that's not something I'm actually comfortable talking about publicly. Privately is one thing, but not publicly, maybe something for another time. So right. it's having those preparedness of that and being very clear that, you know what, I'm willing to talk about this much of this particular topic right now. And you may not be ready to, maybe it's just too emotional for you. You'll break down or something like that, especially if it's public, you do not want to break down in public. Getting teary eyed is one thing, getting emotional, feeling a little bit uh, choked up is fine, but you cannot fall to pieces on a stage. You cannot start sobbing in front of a room. Like it's just not a good position to put the audience in because then they have to take care of you. That's not yeah. a good position. So yeah. it's, it's knowing what your boundaries are, standing firm in them and 
like navigating around them in a way that feels comfortable given the situation you're in. It takes a lot of work because you got to know yourself really intimately. And you got to be prepared yes. that you might get asked a question that is uncomfortable or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. my, my emotions are an open book, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, you know me well. I'd be like, okay, what's wrong? I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I can tell immediately that there's something wrong. Like when I'm doing this and my mom watches in sometimes, and she'll say, are you okay? And I might look like this. I'm happy and smiling and all together. And I got... She'll call up. Are you okay? Is something going on? I'm like, what are you talking about? So yeah, of course mothers know, but my friends know too. People who know me, I'm an open book that way. So it's just hard for me to hide. It really is. Um, and that's when it's more important to be honest, because if you're telling somebody you're fine and you're obviously not, it's uncomfortable. Somebody feels like you're not being genuine with them. When in reality, it could just be that something's on your mind, but yeah. it creates a disconnect and a distrust between two people to yeah. not do that. So just give them enough that yeah puts the elephant out on the table and then that's it. That's all that has to be. I'm definitely much better. I have to talk things out. I have to get, I can't hold stuff in, stuff in. I have to call my girlfriends. Mm -hmm. I have to talk to them about things or talk to my boyfriend, whatever that looks like. I have to get it out and talk about it. And then I feel much better because I'm not one to hold, like I'm not mad for long. If something happens, I get over it really quickly. So it makes me feel better. Mm -hmm. um, that's just my authentic way of being. And sometimes people don't want to talk about things, but once I talk about it, I get it off my chest and I, I feel much better and I have to, that's just how I am. And I have, I have lots of friends who aren't that way. And it's definitely uh, a tricky situation. There are boundaries they get to worry about then. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So how can we be authentically, how can I be authentically me in video when it's a one-sided conversation? Yeah, this is something that people struggle with because they're like so used to the in-person energy. They're used to seeing eyeballs at them and responses and things. So one of the tricks that I like to teach people, especially if you're just new to video and it's uncomfortable for you, is to literally put googly eyes or like a little picture of somebody that you're close with behind the camera. So that way you're looking right at the camera, you're connecting with people and it doesn't feel so awkward. Now I'm at a point like I'm looking at the lens and it just looks like an eyeball to me because I'm connecting with you through it. I have a good peripheral vision. I can see you in the corner of my eye here and I can feel that connection with you. But when I'm just starting, it may not feel that comfortable. It may feel like you're just kind of talking at air, but there's nothing to say you couldn't practice that with somebody on the phone or on a Zoom call with somebody feel for it and then have them shut off their video so that you can practice like they're there. They can give you feedback, but you still get that sort of uh, one way experience. So it's a matter of knowing yourself enough. What do I need experimenting? with what sort of things can give you the most human experience of connecting with a piece of technology. Yeah, yeah. I, I had my first video, believe it or not, even though I've been doing this for so long now, but I had my first uh, video last night by myself. Wow. So it was uh, the, the workshop. I was all by myself. I was talking to the screen. But then I just, once I start teaching, I'm like, forget it. I could talk about events and, and all that stuff forever. So uh, I, just, I just kept going and kept teaching. And, and just, you know, I felt like I, also the chat helps. Because yes. if I get people in the chat who are talking and they're here and I know people are here, it helps to know that people are listening. And But like when I coughed, so I just said one sec and I would mute and then I would drink and, and then I explain that I'm you know, getting this dry voice and, and stuff like that. So just again, just being authentic. I don't edit any of my videos for... Yeah 
sort of stuff because I want people to yeah. see that it's okay to mess up. It's okay to stutter over your words or cough or sneeze in the middle of something and yeah. do a great job. Like that doesn't have to be what you remember me for. It gets this real big snotty sneeze and it's like all embarrassing. That's one thing. But for me to be human and to forget where I'm at, I think that's powerful for me to say that I'm somebody who can teach this material that I know it well enough, but then also mix, mess up where I am at that moment. I think that's really important for someone to see, oh, I don't have to be perfect, perfect. I just have to have a really great mastery of what it is I'm trying to convey. Interesting. So I don't edit any of that stuff for that sort of. Uh, exactly the same way. I felt so comfortable. I got off the first hour and I was like, I'm a natural. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. I couldn't believe it. I just, I, it's, I'm so proud of myself for doing that because it, it was a big comfort zone for me to do. And even though I wasn't like super live, I was live in the Facebook in the group, but there's 500 people in there. So that's a lot of people. And then just to be able to do it, I think doing this interview has definitely throughout the year has definitely helped with the experience. But so I enjoy it now. And it's so funny. It's really, it's, I've always said, just keep, if it's something, just keep doing it and you'll eventually it just becomes second nature, you know? Absolutely. Exposure so, therapy is the best therapy. <laughs> what is that? Exposure therapy is the best therapy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's the sirens might be in the back because I live on Central Park West and there's sirens that go by all the time. And every time I'm on, there's always a siren. So I never know what they sound like, but it is what it is. I had so much fun talking. Why don't you tell us um, who is your ideal client mm -hmm. and what do you have programs? What do you offer? What's going on in your world? Absolutely. So I, my ideal client is somebody who knows better, but they're not doing better. And it's this lack of clarity, confidence, or consistency that they know is preventing them from really building momentum and therefore success. So somebody who feels like I know what I'm doing, but other people don't seem to get it or the confidence to just be the face of your business, put yourself out there, or just the consistency of doing those things. You feel like it's this stop, start, stop, start sort of thing and better. You need to do better, but you realize you're just not doing it. You're just not executing on it. Those are my people. So I just work with a lot of entrepreneurs, anybody really in the online space who's looking to breed their business that way. And I do offer courses. I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. I have that book out, Why I Love to Make People Cry, How to Be Authentic and Confident Online. That's available on Amazon. And I have courses around being a confident speaker, which is applicable to things like Facebook Live, workshops and public speaking in the traditional sense. But I also have a couple mini courses now about online networking, like how to do that really when you're in the online space, because networking is something challenging for a lot of people to do virtually. Uh, I also have a mini course specifically around Facebook Live. I have a market research guide. I have all sorts of stuff on my website. So if we want to link up my website there, you can just look around and see what you find. But uh, yes. I have what, all your website again, GinaMolinari.com. GinaMolinari.com. Yes. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Okay. And Mona Lisa says, that's me when you were describing <laughs> who my ideal client was. Right, Gina and Mona Lisa, we're going to hook you guys up so you can chat. I'm just so happy. Thank you so much. You're always such a pleasure to talk to. Likewise. Thank you so much for being on. All right. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. All right. Great. Okay, you guys. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you joined us. And uh, we'll be here next week. I don't know what it is next week, but I'll, we'll let you know. We're going to post it out there. <laughs> I have so many in the queue here, and I'm so excited. And if you want to be on the show, just reach out to us, and we'll uh, 
we'll have a chat and we'll, this is for, we're, this is to help put a positive spin on your business. And I started this because I, and it doesn't have to necessarily be the event industry, but obviously I am in the event industry. So we do talk to a lot of people out there. So um, so happy you joined us. We'll see you next week. Have a fabulous weekend and happy Valentine's Day. Yay. Okay. <laughs>